$20 to be wealthy doesn't say you need $10 to be wealthy. It just says you need money and possessions. Right. So with that, you know, I'm, I mean, the cat lady who has like 20 cats, if she feels wealthy, she is wealthy in a sense. <laughs> right. Right. You know? So it's very different for everyone. And when it comes to redefining wealth, I think everyone just kind of needs to do some self-reflection, deciding on what's important to you in life. So I know for me... Hello, and thank you for joining us on Posh Talks Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Women Living Intentional, a group created for those who are looking and ready to live in purpose. Now over to your host, Tayani Tellis. Hello, and welcome to Posh Talks Podcast, where living intentional consists of high vibes and posh lifestyles. I'm your host, Tayani Pellis, and today's episode is The Millennials Next Door, Reaching Financial Freedom and Redefining Wealth. Now, before we get into, into today's episode, this podcast is sponsored by Women Living Intentional. Our Posh Pass Atlanta Retreat is happening August 31st, 2019. Come out and learn how to get crystal clear on how to scale your business. We will have social media workshops, brand strategy sessions, affirmations and manifestation sessions, and to close, brunch at one of the hottest spots in downtown Atlanta. Now, Overside guest Andre believes millennials and centennials aren't taught how to manage money, only how to spend more and earn more in America. The Millennials Next Door serves as a digital platform solution, which focuses on guiding millennials and centennials on reaching financial freedom and redefining wealth. Hello, Andre, and thank you so much for being a part of today's episode. How are you? Hey, I'm doing excellent today. Um, It's a beautiful day here in Atlanta. So, you know, it's hard to complain, and uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Yes, yes. I'm super happy to have you here today, and I think this conversation is so important because it's rare that people like to talk about money. Um, I know in my experiences, you know, we were taught, you know, you don't ask parents what their incomes are. You don't ask people their credit scores. So I'm Mm -hmm. just glad that we're in an age now where we can be, you know, transparent about this conversation and ultimately change people's lives and their perspectives on a dollar. So thank you again for being a part of this. Yeah, no problem. Excited to be here. Yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about your journey into entrepreneurship and how you got started? Yeah, so it's probably easier if I say how I kind of got started. So I graduated from uh, Florida A&M University back in 2011, and I just kind of went from there straight into insurance. And while I was in Dallas, Texas, you know, I was still working in insurance for like the past few years. I was getting really bored with everything. I decided to do a career change. So one of my friends, she was studying for her certified financial planner, and it was just kind of at that point, I said, oh, finances, I never thought about that before. So I started kind of venturing into it, and I started studying for that certified financial planner. And from there, I started blogging about it, and I started, you know, doing an Instagram page for it. And that's when everything kind of started taking off, you know, people showing interest in the things I was talking about. And I kind of stumbled upon financial coaching. And for financial coaching, you know, for for those who don't know, uh, that's basically having a fitness coach in a way, but just for your money instead. So, you know, at that time, I didn't even know you could even, like, 
get paid and tell people what to do with their own money. I've been doing it for free the whole time. So that was just like a whole huge world shocker for me. <laughs> yes. And, yes. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, just to touch real quick on the entrepreneurship side of me. So I started just doing this business like serious, serious, you know, like, you know how you kind of like play around with something for a while, but you're not really too serious about it. You just want to see how it yeah. goes. Yeah, just yeah, like so. fantasy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I started this thing like uh, last year in 2018, around May. Uh, my current job, I was working at, inside a financial firm. And, you know, I can be honest and say I was in the best in that position. It was a lot of paperwork. So I was like, oh, man, this is so much paperwork. And, you know, I was like, say, okay, I got to get out of here soon. Uh, luckily right. enough, my job was getting phased out. And I ended up getting a new job, still you know, in the financial field. Uh, I told them about my side hustle, told them about my blog, my Instagram page, and they said it would be good. And uh, wouldn't you know it, the first day it was a no-go. They told me, oh, your blog's no good. You have to take it down. So needless to say, that was my first and last day there. And right. you know, really from there, I, I remember I took a stapler. I stole some tea bags just because I felt like they kind of owed it to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> That's when I really started getting serious about that side uh, as far as the entrepreneurship side. So just haven't been back since. Yes, yes, I love it. I love it a lot, actually, because I think um, the difference between you and, like, a lot of other people I've interviewed is, like, you know, you went into the fact that you said you kind of just played around with it for a little bit. And I can totally um, understand that because it's like, you know, you feel like, okay, this is something I want to do, but is the market going to respond to it in a way that is yeah. profitable? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you can have an amazing idea. I mean, but who knows if it's actually going to take off. Because, you know, the people who invented the segways, it was like some brilliant people, and it just didn't take off for them either. The market wasn't ready for it. Right, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so I know now you mentioned something so profound. Um, millennials and centennials are only taught how to spend more and earn more. Can you elaborate on that a little more? Yeah. So, you know, if you think about when you were back in high school, tell me, like, what did you actually learn about money? Did you have any courses on financial literacy or anything? I know I didn't. <laughs> I yeah. don't even so talk about money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're in great company. So, you know, going out into the real world after high school, we kind of, you know, we learned how to get the area of a triangle if we ever need it or the Pythagorean theorem. But as far as, like, doing some of the basic things of, you know, a bank account, doing your taxes, how to save money, um, learning about debt, we really didn't learn a lot of that. So what happens is when we kind of go outside into the real world, you have advertisers. They're the ones who are telling you what to do with your money then. And, you know, I'm a very big believer that affordable payments is kind of like the worst thing that has happened to this country just because everything has become affordable now. So, you know, people have Netflix, they have the Hulu, car payments, house payments, pretty much anything underneath the sun you can finance now. So for that, you know, just kind of puts everybody into a spending mood like, you know, we're supposed to be spending this money because it's affordable when it's really not in the long run. Right, right. Definitely. And um, I know, like, for me, I wasn't taught 
how the importance of like saving and you know um, investments and all of the different investment options that are out there for us. So was it something that you were kind of taught or you learned over a course of time? So for the most part, everything I learned uh, just by myself and just studying. So I graduated with a business administration degree and a concentration in marketing. You know, hindsight 2020, I would definitely changed it right now and did finance. <laughs> right. right. But, um, you know, yeah, and I'm sure just like for you, as far as I do on the podcast, you probably learn just through learning, finding other right. people who are either A, teaching or writing about it, and, you know, that's how I did this as well. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. So what have you found to be the hardest thing for people to get over when it comes to saving? Hmm, that is a very good question. And, you know, uh, this is probably one of my financial coach pet peeves. Um, I have to convince people that their money is important now. I think that's the biggest thing that most, uh, really everyone just kind of can't get over. You know, um, we're kind of in an age, especially, you know, for millennials, and you have an Instagram account, so you already know, well, people like to travel, they like to show off a few things. Uh, Basically, you want to be Instagram worthy. And to be honest, yeah. And saving money is not Instagram worthy. It's really not. You know, it's, you right. can't post, oh, I saved this much money and expect 100 likes or anything. It doesn't go like that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, and that, that's just really been the biggest struggle, honestly, is just getting people to believe that they need to act now instead of acting later just because I can't show them that, hey, this is how your life is going to be in 20 years when I can only show them what your life is right now. So is it like the – are they, like, skeptical about it or, you know, they feel like they have time? Uh, you know, it always depends on the person. I think for most people, they don't think it's the time for them. So they have a lot of debt. They have a lot of payments going out of their pockets. And they have a little bit of money left at the end of the month, but they right. want to use that money for other things such as, um, I always say, especially living in Atlanta, most of the money's going to brunch. You know, like avocado toast and all that. All right. Going to a trip or, you know, I think the new term now, and you have to forgive me, I'm an old man, but I think the term is um, hot girl summer. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, you know, those hot girl summers, those things ain't free. So, yeah, people got to for that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, people just don't want to be that type of responsible yet. They're just not ready for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, what would be the first step to someone who knows nothing about saving? Like, if they're like, okay, I'm listening to this podcast, I'm a little bit motivated to start saving, what would be the first step you would suggest to them? So what I would suggest, and it's very basic, and I think it's something that we all take for granted, um, is just to Google something. Just Google how to save. Read three articles at most. And then from there, you can easily make a plan because at the end of the day, saving money is not difficult. It just comes, comes down to the fact whether you're going to do it or not. But right. as far as like finding the information, yeah, you just Google it. I mean, there's so many good resources out there. Right, right, definitely. Now, do you have, like, any saving resources on your page that they will be able to download? Uh, actually, I do. Man, I need to bring, like, to every conference I go to now. So, no, that's a good suggestion. 
So I do have a page on my website under free resources, and it is 75 ways to save money. Okay. And really with that, someone can easily go and download it. I think you have to put in your email address and you get it automatically. I would say like just focus on three to five things on how you can save money and go with that for the time being. And as you progress, some things will work, some things won't. You just kind of keep filling in each other one and just fill it out to see what's working for your lifestyle. Right. Okay. And what investment options are available to those who are pretty good at saving but looking for something else to do with their money? Mm, okay. So you're getting to dangerous waters there now. <laughs> now. I do have to put out a disclaimer. You know, that everyone should always check with their financial advisor just because everyone's, you know, situation is different. Right. Now, for myself, I would say I'm not a person that likes to keep up with the market so much. So I believe in a dollar-cost average investing practice. Okay. So what that mainly is, is, you know, like for you, you'll just invest $100 each month. So if the markets okay. are good, you invest $100. If they're bad, you still invest $100. And you can invest okay. those into index funds, exchange-traded funds. I think those are pretty good in the sense that they just kind of cover the full market. So, you know, we've been in a, a big market for the, like the past few years where things just seems to keep going up. So, you know, that's a good way to take advantage of it is just keep putting money into the market, letting it keep grow. And you know, as millennials, if the market does crash, we have plenty of time for that money to you know, crash and then come back up. Right. At the end of the day, the market is just a bunch of, you know, it goes up and down. It's a roller coaster. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, the question most people are here for is how do we redefine wealth? There's so many pictures of what wealth looks like. Can you help us out, like, what redefining wealth really means? Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question. And I know, I know I'm putting you on the spot on your own show. No, so you're fine. <laughs> so for you, how do you define wealth? What does that look like? Wealth to me um, personally is something where it's like, okay, I'm saving for my future. I'm saving for my kids. You know, even with me being an entrepreneurship that one day, you know, I have enough money to where I can sit back and walk away from the business um, hands-on, making sure that, you know, my family is well taken care of. So that's what wealth looks like to me, you know. It's limitless okay. opportunities. Right. And, you know, I think that's a very good way to define it. Now, for the actual definition of wealth, uh, basically what it means is an abundance of valuable possessions or money. So I always tell people when it comes to wealth, you have to get out of the mindset of what wealth looks like and what wealth right. actually is. So no, right. you probably notice in that definition it's very vague. It doesn't say you need a million dollars to be wealthy. It doesn't say you need ten dollars to be wealthy. It just says you need money and possessions. Right. So with that, you know, I'm, I mean, the cat lady who has like twenty cats. If she feels wealthy, she is wealthy in a sense. <laughs> right. You right. Know? So it's very different for everyone. And you know, when it comes to redefining wealth, I think everyone just kind of needs to do some self-reflection deciding on what's important to you in life. So I know for me and my statements of wealth, it's about time. I just want to own more of my own time, being able to do what I want to do when I want to do it and how I want to do it. So that's right. my definition of wealth. Yeah, I love it. So wealth is really not defined by 
things and possessions you're saying is more so of a feeling and the goals that you're that you have set out for yourself. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, as a financial advisor, I've learned, you know, that people have their own ways of coming about wealth. So if someone feels their wealth is in Lambos, that's perfectly fine. I think it's just by being, you know, really serious with yourself and deciding this is what I actually want in life and going after it. Right, right, definitely, I agree. So now I do want to talk a little bit about credit. Do you suggest people have credit or should they focus more on the money that they are bringing in? Oh, that's a good question. So in this situation, is someone able to choose both or I have to pick one? No, you can, I mean, ultimately, like, you can be both. You can choose one or the other. Okay. Uh, so I think the main focus should actually be making money. And I'm assuming that someone's going to be managing this money wisely, you know, not just spending it out. But um, when you're able to make money, you have a little bit more, uh, we can say, options. So right. if you're making okay. more, you can pay down your debt. You can pretty much get your credit score back up to where it is or where it needs to be. Uh, so, you know, vice versa, someone is just working on the credit score, you know, it might just be a little bit slow-paced. Right. In the sense that you might not have much money to work with, so you have less options to pay down more debt compared to the other side where if you are making more money, then you can pay down more debt, get a higher credit score quicker, and you'll still be making a good amount of money ideally. Gotcha. Gotcha. I said, what, what was your answer? I'm curious. No, I mean, I'm big on, like, credit, and people are willing to leverage credit in, in a good way. So if you're getting credit for, let's just say, office space, but you know your return is going to be bigger than, you know, that initial loan or something that you took out, I'm not mm-hmm. against credit. However, I'm more of a person where it's like I want to keep my debt you know, low and use the right. capital that I have coming in only because, you know, I've always heard this quote and every time I think about credit it comes back it says like the only guarantee is that you have to pay it back. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So you know, I, I think that's fair. You know, it just comes down to the lifestyle and what everyone's planning on doing. So I'm working right. on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So for someone with bad credit, how can they reestablish their credit? Like what are some steps they can start to take? So I think the first step that anyone needs to take is knowing where your credit is. And okay. Credit Karma, I think that's a great resource. I know Credit Sesame is good, and a lot of the banks, they have this credit monitoring as well. So once someone knows what the credit is, they can say, okay, I owe a lot of debt. So that's what we would call debt utilization, and that counts for about 30% of the credit score. So by paying down debt, which is – Usually the most common trait I see with bad credit scores is, yeah, so, you know, they pay down the debt, and you should see your credit score increase. The biggest portion is the payment history, which is 35%. And from there, I mean, you just have to – it's not too much you can do. I say you can do two main things. One, keep paying your bills on time. Or two, if you do have a late payment and they reported it to one of the credit bureaus, you can actually give them a call and just ask at the end of the day just to say, hey, I was late on this payment. Can you please forgive me? So I know banks, right. they usually do once per year, maybe two per year if you're a really good client. 
But, you know, it's one of those things that it can't hurt to ask. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, That's um, really great advice. Yeah. You know, I think just those two sections right there, so payment history, paying down debt, that's 70% of your credit score right there. And that's, those are some things that you really have control over. So, yeah, it should right. be rather easiest as about being aware of where you need to improve on your credit score. Yeah, I love it. I love that advice. So I came up across a post, the four frugal, frugal rules, um, which were the 24-hour rule, a sale is still spending money, cash only, want versus need. And, I mean, I really love the article. Can you break down one or two of these for us and, like, what that rule actually entails? Yeah, sure. So, no, I'll start with the 24-hour rule just because I like that one a lot. Uh, it's very similar to, you know, an emergency fund. It's putting a time barrier in between you reacting to something. Right, so just okay. as an example, you know, let's say I'm in the market for a new TV. I go to Walmart, see a TV for $400. It's on sale. If okay. I have that money in my pocket, I'm probably going to buy it just automatically because it seems like a good deal. But right. if I take 24 hours just to kind of sit back, go home, and I, you know, I watch my same TV, and I say to myself, you know, my TV is not that bad, actually. I can deal with this for another year or two. And right. then just by putting that time barrier, I'm just saying, hey, I don't need it right now. You know, it's not a bad thing. It's just saying you just don't need something right now. Okay. And okay. then another good one, hmm, I would say the cash-only rule, just because that has worked very well for me. And just imagine for yourself, uh, you have your budget, and you say, I'm only going to spend $200 on groceries this month, and you get it out all in cash. So okay. when you spend the 200 and let's say you're only in the middle of the month, you're out of $200. There's no more right. cash in the bucket, and it just puts like a physical barrier between you and overspending. So I know right. that one is very effective. Okay, yeah, I love the cash roll, too. I actually took a course um, by Dave Ramsey, and he talks about that because he was saying pretty much you actually feel money. So, you know, when we're using our card, it's like, oh, it's our card, the money is on the card. But when you're actually spending it, it's like you start to second guess or things start to go back. You realize you may not need this. So I definitely <laughs> love the cash roll. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Yeah, Dave Ramsey, like, he's he's the man right there. So, yeah, anything he says, it, it kind of goes now. Right. <laughs> yeah, so um, should everyone have a financial coach? If so, why and what's the importance? So I don't believe everyone should have it. I do believe that most people should have it. Okay. And just to break it down a little bit more, when I was working in a financial firm, we had a lot of people who made six figures, um, very well off, but they just had the trouble with the most basic things in their finances. And that's just right. because they didn't have a financial coaching. Their school isn't coaching us on any of it. So everyone's just kind of a little bit lost sometimes. Right. So for some people, they need the financial coach. And you kind of know when you need it if you can't tell by what you've done with your money. That's usually right. probably when you do need it. But others, okay. some other people like myself, you know, I'm just naturally cheap, so I kind of didn't need one. I just don't spend money, so I never had any money problems. Right. And then repeat the last part for the question because I want to make sure I answer it correctly. Sure, sure. 
And the last part of it was, um, like, what's the importance of a financial coach? Okay. So, you know, what I tell people is I use myself as an example. Uh, so you can't tell from over the phone, but I'm like a kind of average slim dude. And right. believe it or not, once upon a time I used to have a six-pack. I don't have that anymore at <laughs> the time. <laughs> so I've been telling myself I'm going to get my six-pack back for like the past three years. I'm going to go into the gym. And, you know, for the past three years I have gotten nowhere. So at right. this point in time, it's now me telling myself I need a fitness coach because I can't do this job by myself. Right. So I think that's the point when people know they need a financial coach or some type of financial partner or financial buddy or even just reading a financial book that you can really vibe with is when you've been trying it your way for so long and you haven't gotten any results that you actually want. That's the time right. when you need to start asking for help and paying for it. Yeah. I definitely love it. I love it. Um, so I think we've gotten, like, to the end, all of the questions that I had and those who have, who were really excited about this episode had. So is there any, like, last words or advice you would like to give? If no, how can they find you and support you? So I'm going to go ahead and tell how people can find me before I start rambling on over here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> So, no, I'm usually on Instagram. That's my main thing. I can be found at the Millennials Next Door, or they can go to my website, tmndfinance.com. Right, okay. And then, yeah, if they find me on Instagram, that's usually me all day. They can send me um, any direct messages. If they have questions, I'm usually just end up answering questions on a random day. Now, for the bit of advice I would give, I would say just to get started, and um, by that what I mean is wherever you are in your financial well-being, whether you have too much debt, whether you want to save more, or whether you just make too much money, you don't know what you need to do, I say just get started somewhere. And that means something easy as reading an article, uh, something easy as reading the Dave Ramsey books, listening to a right. podcast, um, coming out to an event that's focused on money. Because I know a lot of people, we kind of get stuck in the just in the I don't want to do anything phase. And the right. only thing that passes is time keeps passing on. The problem doesn't pass. It's still there. But time keeps passing us on. So, yeah, my biggest advice is always just to get started. The first step is the hardest, but I promise it always gets easier. Right. Definitely, definitely. I agree on the last part, especially. It definitely gets easier. So do It does, any- yeah. Yeah, do you have any upcoming events they can support you at or any uh, you programs? Know, I do. Uh, so I am doing a panel. It's called the State of the Black Dollar here in Atlanta. Okay. And for that one, it should be up on my page and on my website as well under events. I'll also be doing an investing event in Atlanta August 17th. For that one, we'll be talking about real estate talking about real estate investment trust, investing in stocks and how to read the market. So for those who want to get involved in investing, I definitely highly recommend you do this event. And this event isn't public just yet, so this is like an exclusive announcement. But um, <laughs> I'll be doing a financial literacy summit. So we'll be talking about saving, budgeting, credit scores, all the good stuff that someone needs to be financially free. Wow. I love it. And what day is that again? Uh, so that's actually going to be in September. 
It's going to okay. be the week of September 16th, and it's going to be like four nights. It's going to be all done on virtual. So, you know, whether they're in Atlanta, uh, anyone in Georgia, New York, they'll be able to attend. It's going to be done virtual. We have about eight to ten different speakers talking about topics that they specialize on. Gotcha, gotcha. Definitely keep us updated on that because um, we'll definitely love to support and be a part. Awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity to even say all that. I appreciate it. Yes, yes, yes. And as always, Andre, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. You have been so motivating and inspiring, and I know a lot of this information people hopefully will be able to utilize and get started on fixing their credit, you know, um, getting into investments, figuring out what wealth looks like for them. So thank you, thank you, thank you again. And Listeners, remember to subscribe to www.intentionallyposh.com for upcoming episodes. Our Posh Pass Atlanta Retreat, again, is happening August 31st through September 1st. Come out and learn how to get crystal clear on how to scale your business. We will have social media workshops, brand strategy sessions, affirmations, and manifestation sessions, and to close brunch at one of the hottest spots in downtown Atlanta. Also, take advantage of the one-hour strategy and planning call today by signing up. Actually, today, guys, it is the last day. I'm super sorry about that. That is a previous announcement. But you can take advantage of our 90-day dream course. It is now live. So sign up to receive private incense coaching as well as 24-7 support. You will learn how to ditch the worker's mentality, the key to running your business like a CEO, social media strategies, and lastly, when to scale how to sell and grow. We thank you again for listening, and until next time, have a high-vibe, intentional week. Thank you again for listening to Posh Talks Podcast. This podcast was brought to you and sponsored by Women Living Intentional and Intentional Investments. Want to learn more about us? Check us out at intentionallyposh.com. And as always, have a high vibe intentional week.